Hello, and welcome to episode 16 of the Idiot Book Nook podcast. My name is Blazewing. My pronouns are she, her, and they, them. I am the Reading Dragon, and my pronouns are she, her. I'm Lady Punnett. My pronouns are primarily she, her, sometimes they, them. Gotta love those blob days. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm just now realizing that the brightness on my phone was turned all the way down because the last couple nights since Daylight Savings Time started, I had not been able to get to sleep until about four or five in the fucking morning. So I just been like doing other things on my phone, trying to get myself to sleep like I normally do. Well, with that, let's get on with our disclaimer. We here at the Idiot Book Nook do not support the actions, views, or opinions of J.K. Rowling. We are simply Harry Potter fans who grew up with the books during important times in our life, for Hogwarts is and will continue to be home. We do not condone racist, transphobic, and anti-Semitic imagery that is depicted within the pages of these books. It should also be noted that this podcast does include spoilers, so if you haven't yet read the books... You may want to consider revisiting us when you've had a chance to catch up, unless you don't care about spoilers, in which case, welcome to the shit show. Cool. So, uh, with that being said, and that awkward pause at the end, uh, without further ado, I believe we should take it away to chapter 16. Uh, Narrator, if you would... Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's or Philosopher's Stone. Narrated by the Reading Dragon, voice acted by Blazewing2010 and Lady Punnett. Chapter 16. Through the Trap Door. In years to come, Harry would never quite remember how he had managed to get through his exams when he half expected Voldemort to come bursting through the door at any moment. Yet, the days crept by, and there could be no doubt that Fluffy was still alive and well behind the locked door, was still alive and well behind the locked door. It was sweltering hot, especially in the large classroom where they did their written papers. They had been given special new quills for the exams, which had been bewitched with an anti-cheating spell. They had practical exams as well, Professor Flitwick called them one by one into his class to see if they could make a pineapple tap dance across a desk. Professor McGonagall watched them turn a mouse into a snuffbox. Points were given for how pretty the snuffbox the snuffbox was, but taken away if it had whiskers. Snape made them all nervous, breathing down their necks while they tried to remember how to make a forgetfulness potion. Harry did the best he could, trying to ignore the stabbing pains in his forehead, which had been bothering him ever since his trip to the forest. Neville thought Harry had a bad case of exam nerves because Harry couldn't sleep. But the truth was, Harry kept being woken up by his old nightmare, except that it was now worse than ever because there was a hooded figure dripping blood in it. Maybe... It was because they hadn't seen what Harry had seen in the forest, or because they didn't have scars burning on their foreheads. But Ron and Hermione didn't seem as worried about the stone as Harry. 
The idea of Voldemort certainly scared them, but he didn't keep but he didn't keep visiting them in dreams, and they were so busy with their studying, they didn't have much time to fret about what Snape or anyone else might be up to. Their very last exam was history of magic. One hour of answering questions about fatty old wizards who'd invented self-stirring cauldrons, and they'd be free. Free for a whole wonderful week until their exam results came out. When the ghost of Professor Binns told them to put down their quills and roll up their parchment, Harry couldn't help cheering with the rest. That was far easier than I thought it would be, said Hermione, as they joined the crowds flocking out onto the sunny grounds. I needn't have learned about the 1637 werewolf code of conduct or the usurping of Elfric the Eager. I think that word was uprising? Uprising. Yeah, don't worry about it. Just keep going. What did I say? Usurping. Whatever. Same difference. You need, just remember, you needn't have learned about it, so it doesn't matter. Mm. <laughs> Hermione always liked to go through their exam papers afterward, but Ron said this made him feel ill. Or, but Ron said this made him feel ill, so they wandered down to the lake and flopped under a tree. The Weasley's twin, the Weasley twins, and Lee Jordan were tickling the tentacles of a giant squid which was baking in the warm shallows. Asking. Did. It's the squid. Who, who got the squid stoned? <laughs> <laughs> no more revision. Ron said happily, stretching out on the grass. You could look more cheerful, Harry. We've got a week before we find out how badly we've done. There's no need to worry yet. Harry was rubbing his forehead. I wish I knew what this means. He burst out angrily. My scar keeps hurting. It's happened before, but never as often as this. Go to Madame Pomfrey, Hermione suggested. I'm not ill, said Harry. I think it's a warning. It means danger's coming. Ron couldn't get worked up. It was too hot. Harry, relax. Hermione's right. The stone's safe as long as Dumbledore's around. Anyway, we've never had any proof Snape, Snape found out how to get past Fluffy. He nearly had his leg ripped off once. He's not going to try it again in a hurry. And Neville will play Quidditch for England before Hagrid lets Dumbledore down. Harry nodded, but he couldn't shake off a lurking feeling that there was something he'd forgotten to do. Something important. When he tried to explain this, Hermione said, that's... that's just the exams. I woke up last night and was went halfway through my transfiguration notes before I remembered we'd done that one. Harry was quite sure the unsettled feeling didn't have anything to do with work. Though, he watched an owl flutter toward the school across the bright blue sky, a note clamped in its mouth. Hagrid was the only one who ever sent him letters. Hagrid would never betray Dumbledore. Hagrid would never tell anyone how to get past Fluffy. Never. But Harry suddenly jumped to his feet. Where are you going? Said Ron sleepily. I just thought of something. Said Harry. He had turned white. We've got to go see Hagrid. Now. <laughs> 
why? Panted Hermione, hurrying to keep up. Don't you think it a bit odd? Said Harry, scrambling up the grassy slope. That what Hagrid wants more than anything else is a dragon. And a stranger turns up who just happens to have a dragon egg in his pocket? How many people wander around with dragon eggs if it's against wizard law? Lucky, lucky they found Hagrid, don't you think? Why didn't I see it before? What are you on about? Said Ron, but Harry, sprinting across the grounds toward the forest, didn't answer. Hagrid was sitting in an armchair outside his house. His trousers and sleeves were rolled up, and he was shelling peas into a large bowl. Hello? He said, smiling. Finish your exams. Got time for a drink? Yes, please. Said Ron, but Harry cut him off. No, we're in a hurry, Hagrid. But I've got something to ask you. You know that night you won Norbert? What did the stranger you were playing cards with look like? Don't know. Said Hagrid casually. Wouldn't take off his cloak. Ah, cloak. Eh. Words hard. He <laughs> Words are hard. Words are hard. <clears throat> he saw the three of them look stunned and raised his eyebrows. It's not unusual. You get a lot of funny folk at the Hog's Head. That's the pub down in the village. Might have been a dragon dealer, mightn't he? Never saw his face. He kept his hood up. Harry sank net. <clears throat> Harry sank down next to the bowl of peas. Uh, what did you talk to him about, Hagrid? Did you mention Hogwarts at all? Might have come up, said Hagrid, frowning as he tried to remember. Yeah, uh, he asked what I did, and I told him I was gamekeeper here. He asked a bit about the sort of creatures I looked after, and so I told him, and I said I'd always really wanted a dragon, and then well, I can't remember too well, because he kept buying me drinks. Let's see, yeah. And then he said the dragon egg, and he said he had the dragon egg, and we could play cards for it if I wanted. But he had to be sure I could handle it, and he didn't want it to go to any old home, so I told him after Fluffy, a dragon would be easy. And did he seem interested in Fluffy? Harry asked, trying to keep his voice calm. Well, yeah. How many three-headed dogs do you meet, even around Hogwarts? So I told him Fluffy's a piece of cake, if you know how to calm him down. Just play him a bit of music and he'll go straight off to sleep. Hagrid suddenly looked horrified. I shouldn't have told you that. He blurted out. Forget I said it. Hey, where are you going? Harry, Ron, and Hermione didn't speak to each other at all until they came to a halt in the entrance hall, which seemed very cold and gloomy after the grounds. We've got to go to Dumbledore, said Harry. Hagrid told the stranger how to get past Fluffy, and it was either Snape or Voldemort under that cloak. It must have been easy once he got Hagrid drunk. I, hope, I just hope Dumbledore believes us. Friends might back us up if Bane doesn't stop him. Where's Dumbledore's office? They looked around, as if hoping to see a sign pointing, pointing them in the right direction. They have never been told where Dumbledore lived, nor did, nor did they know anyone who had been sent to him. We'll just have to... Harry began, but a voice suddenly rang across the hall. What are you three doing inside? It was Professor McGonagall, 
carrying a large pile of books. We want to see Professor Dumbledore, said Hermione rather bravely. Harry and Ron thought. See Professor Dumbledore. Professor McGonagall repeated, as though this was a very fishy thing to want to do. Why? Harry swallowed. Now what? It's, um, sort of a secret? He said, but he wished at once he hadn't, because Professor McGonagall's nostrils flared. Professor Dumbledore left ten minutes ago, she said coldly. He received an urgent owl from the Ministry of Magic and flew off for London at once. He's gone? said Harry frantically. Now? Professor Dumbledore is a great wizard potter. He has many demands on his time. But this is important. Something you have to say is more important than the Ministry of Magic, Potter. Look, said Harry, throwing caution to the winds. Professor, it's about the Philosopher's Stone. Whatever, Mac whatever Professor McGonagall had expected, it wasn't that. The books she was carrying tumbled out of her arms, but she didn't pick them up. How do you know? She spluttered. <sighs> Professor, I think I know that's that someone's going to try and steal the stone. I've got to talk to Professor Dumbledore. She eyed him with a mixture of shock and suspicion. Professor Dumbledore will be back tomorrow, she said finally. I don't know how you found out about the stone, but rest assured no one can possibly steal it. It's too well protected. But, Professor... Potter, I know what I'm talking about, she said shortly. She bent down and gathered up all of the fallen books. I suggest you all go back outside and enjoy the sunshine. But they didn't. It's tonight, said Harry, once he was sure Professor McGonagall was out of earshot. Snape's going through the trapdoor tonight. He's found out everything he needs, and now he's got Dumbledore out of the way. He sent that note. I bet the Ministry of Magic will get a real shock when Dumbledore turns up. But, uh... Uh... Hermione can take that line. It's not clear. But what can we... <clears throat> Hermione... Sorry. But what can we... Hermione gasped. Harry and Ron wheeled around. Snape was standing there. Good afternoon. He said smoothly. They stared at him. You shouldn't be inside on a day like this. He said with an odd, twisted smile. We were... Harry began, without any idea what he was going to say. We want to be more careful said Snape. Hanging around like this, people will think you're up to something, and Gryffindor really can't afford to lose any more points, can they? Harry flushed. They turned to go outside, but Snape called them back. Be warned, Potter. Any more nighttime wanderings, and I will personally make sure that you are expelled. Good day to you. He strode off in the direction of the staff room. Out on the stone steps, Harry turned to the others. Right, here's what we've got to do. He whispered urgently. 
One of us has got to keep an eye on Snape. Wait outside the staff room and follow him if he leaves it. Hermione, you'd better do that. Why me? It's obvious, said Ron. You can pretend to be waiting for Professor Flitwick, you know? Put on a high voice. People. Oh, Professor Flitwick! I'm so worried I got question 14B wrong! So I was supposed to say he put on a high voice. Oops. Oh, shut up! <laughs> said Hermione. But she agreed to go and watch out for Snape. And we'd better stay outside the third floor corridor. Harry told Ron. Come on. But that part of the plan didn't work. No sooner had they reached the door separating Fluffy from the rest of the school than Professor McGonagall turned up again at this time. <clears throat> turned up again. Turned up. Words. No sooner had they reached the door separating Fluffy from the rest of the school than Professor McGonagall turned up again, and this time she lost her temper. I suppose you think you're harder to get past than a pack of enchantments. She stormed. Enough of this nonsense. If I've here, you've come anywhere near here again. I'll take 50 points from Gryffindor. Yes, Weasley, from my own house. Harry and Ron went back to the common room. Harry had just said, At least Hermione's on Snape's tail? When the portrait of the fat lady swung open and Hermione came in, I'm sorry, Harry. She wailed. Snape came out and asked me what I was doing, so I said I was waiting for Flitwick, and Snape went to get him, and I only just got away. I don't know where Snape went. Well, that's that then, isn't it? Harry said. The other two stared at him. He was pale, and his eyes were glittering. I'm going out of here tonight, and I'm going to try to get the stone first. You're mad! said Ron. You can't, said Hermione. After what McGonagall and Snape have said, you'll be expelled. So what? Harry shouted. Don't you understand? If Snape gets a hold of the stone, Voldemort's coming back. Haven't you heard what it's like when he was trying to take over? There won't be any Hogwarts to get expelled from. He'll flatten it or turn it into a school for the dark arts. Losing points doesn't matter anymore, can't you see? Do y'all think he'll leave your families alone if Gryffindor wins the House Cup? If I get caught before I can get to the stone, well, I'll have to go back to the Dursleys and wait for Voldemort to find me there. It's only dying a bit later than I would have done, because I'm never going back over- I'm never going over to the dark side. I'm going through that trapdoor tonight, and nothing you two say is going to stop me. Voldemort killed my parents, remember? He glared at them. You're right, Harry. Said Hermione, in a small voice. I'll use the invisibility cloak. Said Harry. It's just lucky I got it back. But- Will it cover all three of us? Said Ron. Uh, all three of us? Oh, come off it. Oh, uh, hold on. Yeah, that's, that's Ron's line. Oh, come off it. You don't think we'd let you go alone? Of course not. Said Hermione briskly. How do you think you'd get to the stone without us? I better go and look through my books. There might be something useful. But if we get caught, you two will be expelled, too. Not if I can help it, said Hermione grimly. Flitwood told me in secret that I got 120 
percent on his exam. They're not throwing me out after that. Damn it, Hermione. <laughs> Damn Hermione. Yeah, shit. After dinner, the three of them sat nervously apart in the common room. Nobody bothered them. None of the Gryffindors had anything to say to Harry anymore, after all. This was the first night he hadn't been upset by it. Hermione was skimming through all of her notes, hoping to come across one of the enchantments they were about to try to break. Harry and Ron didn't talk much. Both of them were thinking about what they were going to do. Slowly, the room emptied as people drifted off to bed. Better get the cloak. Ron muttered as Lee Jordan finally left, scratching and yawning. Harry ran upstairs to their dark dormitory. He put out he put out the cloak, and then his eyes fell on the flute Hagrid had given him for Christmas. He pocketed to use on Fluffy. He didn't feel much like singing. He ran back down to the common room. We'd better put the cloak on here and make sure it covers all three of us. If Filch spots one of our feet wandering along on its own... What? What are you doing? Said a voice from the corner of the room. Neville appeared from behind an armchair, clutching Trevor the Toad, who looked as though he'd been making another bid for freedom. Nothing, Neville. Nothing. Said Harry, hurriedly putting the cloak behind his back. Neville stared at their guilty faces. Y you're going out again. He said. No, no, no said Hermione. No, we're not. Why don't you go to bed, Neville? Harry looked like the grandfather clock by the door. Uh, Harry looked at the grandfather clock by the door. They couldn't afford to waste any more time. Snape might even now be playing Fluffy to sleep. You can't go out, said Neville. You'll be caught again. Gryffindor will be in even more trouble. You don't understand, said Harry. This is important. But Neville was clearly steeling himself to do something desperate. I won't let you do it, he said, hurrying to stand in front of the portrait hole. I'll... I'll fight you. Neville! Ron exploded. Get away from that hole and don't be an idiot. Don't you call me an idiot, said Neville. I don't think you should be breaking any more rules. And you're the ones who told me to stand up to people. Yes, but not to us, said Ron in exasperation. Neville, you, Neville, you don't know what you're doing. He took a step forward, and Neville dropped Trevor the Toad, who leapt out of sight. Go on, then. Try and hit me, said Neville, raising his fist. I'm ready. Harry turned to Hermione. Do something, he said desperately. Hermione stepped forward. Neville, she said. I'm really, really sorry about this. She raised her wand. Oh boy, Latin. Um, Petrificus totalis. Petrificus totalis. She cried, pointing it at Neville. Close enough. Close enough. I it's it's lead. No one speaks Latin anymore. I beg to differ because a it's in this book and b there are people who speak it in the, on this on this fucking planet. So it's pronounced Petrificus totalis. 
So petrificus totalis. Yeah. Basically, it translates to total petrification, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Neville's arms snapped to his sides. His legs sprang together, his whole body rigid. He swayed where he stood and then fell flat on his face, stiff as a board. Hermione ran to turn him over. Neville's jaws were jammed together so he could not speak. Only his eyes were moving, looking up at them in horror. What have you done to him? Harry whispered. It's the full body bind, said Hermione miserably. Oh, Neville, I'm so sorry. We had to, Neville. No time to explain, said Harry. You'll understand later, Neville, said Ron as they stepped over him and pulled on the invisibility cloak. But leaving Neville lying motionless on the floor didn't feel like a very good omen. In their nervous state, every statue's shadow looked like filch. Every distant breath of wind sounded like peas swooping down on them. At the foot of the first set of stairs, they spotted Mrs. Norris skulking near the top. Let's kick her just this once, Ron whispered in Harry's ear. But Harry shook his head. As they climbed carefully around her, Mrs. Norris turned her lamp-like eyes on them, but didn't do anything. They didn't meet anyone else until they reached the staircase up to the third floor. Peeves was bobbing halfway up, loosening the carpet so that people would trip. Who's, uh, who's there? He said suddenly as they climbed toward him. He narrowed his wicked black eyes. No, you're there. Even if I can't see you, are you a ghoulie or a ghosty? Or a wee student beastie? He rose up in the air and floated there, squinting at them. Should call Filch, I should, if something's a-creepin' around unseen. Harry had a sudden idea. Peeves? He said in a hoarse whisper. The bloody Baron has his own reasons for being invisible. Peeves almost fell out of the air in shock. He caught himself in time and hovered about, a foot off the stairs. So sorry, your bloodiness, Mr. Baron, sir. He said greasily. My mistake, my mistake. Didn't see you. Of course I didn't. You're invisible. Forgive old Peeves his little jokes, sir. I have business here, Peeves. Croaked Harry. Stay away from this place tonight. I will, sir. I most certainly will, said Peeves, rising up in the air again. Hope your business goes well, Baron. I'll not bother you. And he scooted off. Brilliant, Harry, whispered Ron. A few seconds later, they were there, outside the third floor corridor, and the door was already ajar. Someone turned the door into a jar. That's <laughs> impressive magic right Just there. Just think of that. God damn it. <laughs> well, there you are. Harry said quietly. Snape's already got past Fluffy. Seeing the open door somehow seemed to impress upon all three of them what was facing them. Underneath the cloak, Harry turned to the other two. If you two want to go back, I won't blame you. He said. You can take the cloak. I won't need it now. 
Don't be stupid, said Ron. We're coming, said Hermione. Harry pushed the door open. As the door creaked, low, rumbling growls met their ears. All three of the dogs' noses sniffed madly in their direction, even though it couldn't see them. What's that at its feet? Hermione whispered. It looks like a, like a harp, said Ron. Snape must have left it here. It must wake up the moment you stop playing, said Harry. Well, here goes. He put Hagrid's flute to his lips and blew. It wasn't really a tune, but from the first note, the beast's eyes began to drop. Uh, the beast's eyes began to droop. Harry hardly drew blood. Harry hardly drew breath. Slowly, the dog's growls ceased. It tottered on its paws and fell to its knees. Then it slumped to the ground, fast asleep. Keep playing. Ron warned Harry as they slipped. Mm. Ron warned Harry as they slipped out of the cloak and crept toward the trap door. They could feel. Sorry, go mm? ahead. They could feel the dog's hot, smelly breath as they approached the giant heads. I think we'll be able to pull the door open," said Ron, peering over the dog's back. "Want to go first, Hermione?" "No, I don't." "All right." Ron gritted his teeth and stepped carefully over the dog's legs. He bent. And pulled the ring of the trap door, which swung up and opened. What do you? Can you see? Hermione said anxiously. Nothing, just black. There's no way of climbing down. We'll have to drop. Harry, who was still playing the flute, waved at Ron to get his attention, and pointed at himself. You want to go first? Are you sure? Said Ron. I don't know how deep this thing goes. Give the flute to Hermione so she can keep him asleep. Harry handed the flute over. In the few seconds' silence, the dog growled and twitched. But the moment Hermione began to play, it fell back into its deep sleep. Harry climbed over it and looked down through the trap door. There was no sign of the bottom. Harry lowered himself through the hole until he was hanging on by his. Fingertips. Then he looked up at Ron and said, "If anything happens to me, don't follow. Go straight to the Owlery and send Hedwig to Dumbledore. Right? Right," said Ron. "See you in a minute. I hope." And Harry let go. Cold, damp air rushed past him as he fell down, 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 and flump. With a funny, muffled sort of thump, he landed on something soft. He sat up and felt around. His eyes not used to the gloom. It felt as though he was sitting on some sort of plant. It's okay. He called up to the light, the size of a postage stamp, which was the open trap door. It's a soft landing. You can jump. Ron followed right away. He landed, sprawled next to Harry. What's this stuff? 
were the were his first words. Don't know. Some sort of plant thing. I suppose it's here to break the fall. Come on, Hermione. The distant music stopped. There was a loud bark from the dog, but Hermione had already jumped. She landed on Harry's other side. We must be miles under the school, she said. Luckily, this plant thing's, this plant thing's here, really, said Ron. Lucky, shrieked Hermione. Look at you both. She leapt up and struggled toward a damp wall. She had to struggle because the moment she had landed, the plant had started to twist snake-like tendrils around, their, around her ankles. As for Harry and Ron, their legs had already been bound tightly in long creepers without their noticing. Hermione had managed to free herself before the plant got a firm grip on her. Now she watched in horror as the two boys fought to pull the plant off them. But the more they strained against it, the tighter and faster the plant wound around them. Stop moving, Hermione ordered them. I know what this is. It's Devil's Snare. Oh, I'm so glad we know what it's called. That's a great help, snarled Ron, leaning back, trying to stop the plant from curling around his neck. Uh, shut up and try to remember how to kill it said Hermione. Well, hurry up. I can't breathe. Harry gasped, wrestling with it as it curled around his chest. Devil snare, devil snare. What did Professor Sprout say? It likes the dark and damp. Slate of fire. Harry choked. Yes, of course, but there's no wood. Hermione cried, wringing her hands. Have you gone mad? Ron bellowed. Are you a witch or not? Oh, right, said Hermione, and she whipped out her wand, waved it, muttered something, and set a jet of fire. Um, wait, and set a jet of the bl God dang it, okay. <sighs> said Hermione, and she whipped out her wand, waved it, muttered something, and set a jet of the same bluebell flame she had used on Snape at the plant. In a matter of seconds, the two boys felt it loosening its grip as it, cr as it cringed away from the light and warmth, wriggling and flailing. It unraveled itself from their bodies, and they were able to pull free. Lucky you pay attention in herbology, Hermione, said Harry as he joined her by the wall, wiping sweat off of his face. Yeah, said Ron. And lucky Harry doesn't lose his head in a crisis. There's no wood. Honestly. <laughs> this way, said Harry, pointing down a stone passageway, which was the only way forward. All they could hear, apart from their footsteps, was the gentle drip of water trickling down the walls. The passageway sloped downward, and Harry was reminded of Gringotts. With an unpleasant jolt of the heart, he remembered the dragon said to be guard. He remembered. With an unpleasant jolt of the heart, he remembered the dragons said to be guarding vaults in the wizard's bank. If they met a dragon, a fully grown dragon, Norbert had been bad enough. Can you hear something? Ron whispered. 
Harry listened. A soft rustling and clinking seemed to be coming up from ahead. Do you think it's a ghost? I, I don't know. It sounds like wings to me. There's a light up ahead. I can see something moving. They reached the end of the passageway and saw before them a brilliantly lit chamber, its ceiling arching high above them. It was full of small, jewel-bright birds, fluttering and tumbling all around the room. On the opposite side of the chamber was a heavy wooden door. Do you think they'll attack us if we cross the room? Said Ron. Probably. Said Harry. They don't look very vicious, but I suppose if they all swoop down at once... Well, there's nothing for it. I'll run. He took a deep breath, covered his face with his arms, and sprinted across the room. He expected to feel sharp beaks and claws tearing at him any second. But nothing happened. He reached the door untouched. He pulled the handle, but it was locked. The other two followed him. They tugged and heaved at the door, but it wouldn't budge. Not even when Hermione tried her Alohomara charm. Now what? Said Ron. These birds, they can't just be here for decoration. Said Hermione. They watched the birds soaring overhead. Glittering. Glittering? They're not birds. Harry said suddenly. They're keys. Winged keys. Look carefully. So that must mean... He looked around the chamber while the other two squinted up at the flock of keys. Yes, look, broomsticks! We've got to catch the key to the door. But there are hundreds of them. Ron examined the lock on the door. We're looking for a big, old-fashioned, probably silver like the handle. So real quick... Uh, was it Ron that was supposed to say that line? And then Hermione said, but there are hundreds of them? I don't know. So, I don't know. So some of these lines aren't really all that well defined. It doesn't actually say mm -hmm. who's supposed to say them. All right. So if we come across stuff like that, I've usually been taking two lines and giving uh, Polly, uh, giving Lady Punnett here the, uh, the, the other line. Because, let's face it, she hasn't really had a lot of lines in this book. That is fair. They each seized a broomstick and kicked off into the air, soaring into the midst of the cloud of keys. They grabbed and snatched, but the bewitched keys darted and divided so quickly. Or, mm, but the bewitched keys darted and dived so quickly, it was almost impossible to catch one. We've been using math again. There's no math <laughs> at Hogwarts. This is why they fail. Or they fail at basic stuff. <laughs> Not for nothing, though, was Harry. Mm. Not for nothing, though, was Harry the youngest seeker in a century. He had a knack for spotting things other people didn't. After a minute weaving about through the whirl of rainbow feathers, he noticed a large silver key that had a bent wing, as if it had already been caught and stuffed roughly into the keyhole. That one! <clears throat> he called to the others. That big one! There! No, there! With bright blue wings! The feathers are all crumpled on one side. Ron went speeding in the direction that Harry was pointing, 
crashed into the ceiling and nearly fell off of his broom. We've got to close in on it. Harry called, not taking his eyes off the key with the damaged wing. Ron, you come at it from above. Hermione, you stay below and stop it going down, and I'll try to catch it right now. Ron dived. Hermione rocketed upward, and they... <clears throat> the key dodged them both, and Harry streaked after it. It sped toward the wall. Harry leaned forward and with a nasty crunching noise, pinned it against the stone with one hand. Ron and Hermione... Ron and Hermione's cheers echoed around the high chamber. They landed quickly, and Harry ran to the door, the key struggling in his hand. He rammed it to the lock and turned. He rammed it into the lock and turned. It worked. The moment the lock had clicked open, the key took flight again, looking very battered now that it had been caught twice. Ready? Harry asked the other two his hand on the door handle. They nodded. He pulled the door open. The next chamber was so dark, they couldn't see anything at all. But as they stepped into it, light suddenly flooded the room to reveal an astonishing sight. They were standing on the edge of a huge chessboard. Behind the black chessmen were... Mm, Behind the black chessmen, which were all taller than they were and carved from what looked like black stone. Wait, I'm going to do this paragraph again. Yep. They were standing on the edge of a huge chessboard behind the black chessmen, which were all taller than they were and carved from what looked like black stone. Facing them, way across the chamber, were the white pieces. Harry, Ron, and Hermione shivered slightly. The towering white chessmen had no faces. Now what do we do? Harry whispered. Isn't it obvious? Said Ron. We've got to play our way across the room. Behind the white pieces, they could see another door. How? Said Hermione nervously. I think... Said Ron. We're going to have to be chessmen. He walked up to a black knight and put his hand out to touch the knight's horse. At once, the stone sprang to life. The horse pawed the ground and the knight turned his helmeted head to look down at Ron. Do we... Uh, you know what, Hermione, you can have that line. Hold on. Do we... Er... Have to join to get across? The Black Knight nodded. Ron turned to the other two. This one's thinking about... He said. I suppose we've got to take the place of three of the black pieces. Harry and Hermione stayed quiet, watching Ron think. Finally, he said. Now don't be offended or anything, but neither of you are good at chess. We're not offended. Said Harry quickly. Tell us what to do. Well, Harry, you take the place of that bishop, and Hermione, you go next to him instead of the castle. What about you? I'm going to be a knight, said Ron. The chessmen seemed to have been listening, because at these words, a knight, a bishop, and a castle turned their backs on the white pieces and walked off the board 
leaving three empty squares that Harry, Ron, and Hermione took. White always plays first in chess, said Ron, peering across the board. Yes, look. A white pawn had moved forward two squares. Ron started to... Ron started to direct the black pieces. They moved silently wherever he sent them. Harry's knees were trembling. What if they lost? Harry, move diagonally four squares to the right. Their first real shock came when the other knight was taken. The white queen smashed him to the floor and dragged him off the board where he lay quite still face down. Had to let that happen, said Ron, looking shaken. Leaves you free to take that bishop. Hermione, go on. Every time one of their men was lost, the white pieces showed no mercy. Soon, there was a huddle of limp black players slumped along the wall. Twice, twice Ron only just noticed in time that Harry and Hermione were in danger. He himself darted around the board, taking almost as many white pieces as they had lost black ones. We're nearly there, he muttered suddenly. Let me think, let me think. The White Queen turned her blank face toward him. Yes, said Ron softly. It's the only way. I've got to be taken. Both of you say no. No! no! <laughs> Harry and Hermione shouted. That's chess, snapped Ron. You've got to make some sacrifices. I'll, I take one step forward and she'll take me and that leaves you to checkmate the king, Harry. But do you want Snape to, do you want to stop Snape or not? Ron, look, if you don't hurry up, sh he'll have the stone already. There was no alternative. Ready? Ron called, his face pale but determined. Here I go. Now, don't hang around once you've won. He stepped forward, and the White Queen pounced. She struck Ron hard across the head with her stone arm, and he crashed to the floor. Hermione screamed but stayed on her square. The White Queen dragged Ron to one side. He looked as if he'd been knocked out. Shaking, Harry moved three spaces to the left. The White King took off his crown and threw it at Harry's feet. They had won. The chessmen parted and bowed, leaving the door ahead clear. With one last desperate look back at Ron, Harry and Hermione charged through the door and up the next passageway. What if he's... He'll be all right, said Harry, trying to convince himself. What do you reckon's next? We had Sprout. That was the devil snare. Flitwick must have put charms on the keys. McGonagall transfigured the chessmen to make them alive. That leaves Quarrels, Spells, and Snapes. They had reached another door. All right. Harry Go whispered. On. Harry. <laughs> It's okay. It's okay. I don't have a lot of lines, guys. Okay. I know. I, you're, good. No, you, you're good. You're good. You're good. Uh, it's just. 
It's been a hell of a morning. Yep. Harry pushed it open. A disgusting smell filled their nostrils, making both of them pull their robes up over their noses. Eyes watering, they saw, flat on the floor in front of them, a troll even larger than the one they had tackled, out cold with a bloody lump on its head. I'm glad we don't have to fight that one. Harry whispered as they stepped carefully over its massive legs. Come on, I can't breathe. He pulled open the next door, both of them hardly daring to look at what came next. But there was nothing very frightening in here, just a table with seven differently shaped bottles standing out in a line. Snapes, said Harry. What do we have to do? They stepped over the threshold, and immediately a fire sprang up behind them in the doorway. It wasn't an ordinary fire, either. It was purple. At the same instant, black flames shot up in the doorway, leading onward. They were trapped. Look! Hermione seized a roll of paper lying next to the bottles. Harry looked over her shoulder to read it. Danger lies before you, while safety lies behind. Two of us will help you, whichever you would find. One among us, seven will let you move ahead. Another will transport the drinker back instead. Two among our number hold only nettle wine. Three of us are killers, waiting bidden in line. Choose, unless you wish to stay here further. Choose, unless you wish to stay here forevermore. To help you in your choice, we give you these clues for. First, however, slyly the poison tries to hide. You will always find some on the nettle's wines on the nettle wine's left side. Second, different are those who stand at their second, different are those who stand at either end. But if you would move onward, neither is your friend. Third, as you see clearly, are all different size. Neither dwarf nor giant holds death in their insides. Fourth, the second left and the second on the right are twins once you taste them, though different at first sight. Hermione, mm, Hermione let out a great sigh and Harry, amazed, saw that she was smiling, the very last thing he felt like doing. Brilliant, said Hermione. This isn't magic, it's logic. A puzzle. A lot of great wizards don't have an ounce of logic. They'd be stuck in here forever. But so will we, <laughs> won't we? Of course not, said Hermione. Everything we need is here on this paper. Seven bottles, three are poison, two are wine, one will get us safely through the black fire, and one will get us back through the purple. But how do we know which to drink? Give me a minute. Hermione read the paper several times. Then she walked up and down the line of bottles, muttering to herself and pointing at them. At last, she clapped her hands. Got it, she said. 
The smallest bottle will get us through the black fire, towards the stone. Harry looked at the tiny bottle. There's only enough there for one of us, he said. That's hardly one swallow. They looked at each other. Which one will get you back through the purple flames? Hermione pointed at a rounded bottle at the right end of the line. You drink that, said Harry. No, listen. Get back and get Ron. Grab brooms from the flying key room. They'll get you out of the trap door and pass Fluffy. Go straight to the Allery and send Hedwig to Dumbledore. We need him. I might not be able to hold Snape off for a while, but I'm... I might be able to hold Snape off for a while, but I'm no match for him, really. But Harry, what if you know who's with him? Well, I was lucky once, wasn't I? Said Harry, pointing at his scar. I might get lucky again. Hermione's lips trembled. And she suddenly dashed at Harry and threw her arms around him. Hermione! Harry, you're a great wizard, you know. I'm not as good as you, said Harry, very embarrassed, as she let go of him. Me, said Hermione. Books and cleverness, that's, there are more important things. Friendship and bravery and, oh, Harry, be careful. You drink first, said Harry. You are sure which is which, aren't you? Positive, said Hermione. She took a long drink from the round bottle. At the at the end, she shuddered. It's not poison? No, but it's like ice. Quick, go before it wears off. Good luck. Take care. Go! Hermione turned and walked straight through the purple fire. Harry took a deep breath and picked up the smallest bottle. He turned to face the black flames. Here I come, he said, and he drained the little bottle in one gulp. It was indeed as though ice was flooding his body. He put the bottle down and walked forward. He braced himself, saw the black flames licking his body, but couldn't feel them. For a moment, he could see nothing but dark fire. Then he was on the other side, in the last chamber. There was already someone in there. But it wasn't Snape. It wasn't even Voldemort. And thus ends chapter 16. So, Woo! a few things. First, welcome in Ferret. Ferret says, Hi, Dad. This isn't magic, it's logic. A wizard's greatest vein. Logic, my one weakness. How did you ever know? Yeah. Um. So, when it came to the final exams... They only had one spell for anti-cheating. Is there only one way to cheat on these exams? Or is it kind of like a catch-all? I think... Okay, so this is going a bit back and might be showing my age. Um, but, so if anyone watched Naruto growing up, there was the Chunin exams. Mm -hmm. And during the Chunin exams, the first portion was a written portion. And what they did was they had a bunch of, like test prospectors yep. watching everyone to make sure they weren't cheating and only though the, however the point of this test was actually to cheat so but if you were caught cheating that means you weren't sneaky enough to be a ninja i think they have like anti charms on their quills and stuff to prevent them from like like enchanting it so like it's kind of like that uh what's it called the the charm on this spell that, that on the 
quill that makes it so it's like autocorrect. So it affects it, it affects the quill, but it doesn't affect any other thing else in the test. Mm-hmm. Just it stops you from modifying the quills. Yeah. Okay. So I think what they do instead is, well, I mean, I imagine the ghosts don't have like a lot to do during the school year. So I think what they do is they have the ghosts hang around invisible, yep. as proven by the fact that apparently ghosts can be invisible to watch people to make sure they're not like looking over people's thing or like having things hidden in their pockets or like they're yeah for my favorite point for this chapter excuse me for one Mm -hmm. second they forgot how to make a forget potion yeah i know i saw that i'm just like oh that is that's i don't know to be proud or to be disappointed five bucks says they made it right (laughs) they made it right but they forgot how to make it yep um also the squid yep the squid squid boy which if anyone follows the the uh, hogwarts professor tag will know there is now a giant rubber duck in the middle of the black lake that the Mm -hmm. squid refuses to let go of god damn it Mm -hmm. and one professor has already tried to get rid of it and they got dragged under god damn it and that moon child had to go rescue them (laughs) yep and my third point for this chapter when Poor it comes Jennings. to the giant chess set in the room, there were a few differences. Mm-hmm. The first one being Harry explaining to Hermione that Ron was going to have to sacrifice himself. Hermione got it right away in the book. Mm-hmm. Second, unlike the movie, they didn't just try to walk across the chessboard and open the door. Ron was mm-hmm. immediately like, oh, we're going to have to play our way across. Like If it was me, I would have tried to at least walk across the room and open the door. And see what happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They didn't do that this time. Also, well, I think it's because they knew, mm-hmm. oh, this is probably McGonagall because apparently it's stated like she's a chess champion. They're like, oh yeah, McGonagall's not going to let anyone walk through. Also, in the film, Harry, um, Harry was the only one that went forward after the chess game. Yep. In the in the book, they left Ron behind. Yep. That's because he told them. You to. guys keep talking. I'll be back. Dead. All right. So, uh-huh. um, I have some notes written. Cool. Okay. So first and foremost, um, what I like is so in the movie we remember mm-hmm. how there was like uh, three empty pieces mm-hmm. or empty spaces, mm-hmm. and we never figure out in the movie how Quirrell got through the uh, the chessboard. But here it's explained. No, one of you needs to take a spot. So what they did mm-hmm. was, okay, so you say which pieces you want to take. Mm-hmm. And you gotta bear in mind that Ron did, first of all, he made sure none of his friends or himself were pawns, because pawns are always the first ones to be sacrificed. They're mm-hmm. cannon folder. They're not the, they're not important pieces unless you can somehow get them across the board, in which case they go up a rank, but only yep. if you lose a piece. Mm-hmm. Secondly, he gave, he made Hermione a rook. Mm-hmm. And he made Harry a bishop, mm-hmm. which I thought was very symbolic because if – hold on a second because I actually I, – I did a lot of research into this because I had plans at, a while ago to make like uh, a Ruby cat Ruby uh, characters that were based off of chess pieces mm-hmm. because as we all know in Ruby, you're based off of either stories or motifs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Now let me just see if I can find it. Okay, uh, the bishop, the overlooked piece. The mm. strategist, they strike when you least expect it. Effects often fatal. Harry was the bishop. Hmm. 
he was overlooked until it was his turn to strike. Mm. Hermione was the rook, the heavy piece. The protector observes quietly, attacks directly. They are the most powerful in the end game. And then we have Ron, who took the knight, the unpredictable piece. The quick thinkers, they jump over obstacles and and offer unconventional solutions. Hmm. What did he suggest to do to win the game? Sacrifice himself to ensure his friends could go through. Unconventional because hmm. they're down. They're now down one fighter, but it was the only way they could win. For those listening, I apologize for my background noise. Someone decided that now is a great time to start trimming the trees. Or doing some kind of lawn care. I don't fucking know. I mean, at least you guys can do lawn care. We're still got snow where I'm at. Ah. It's March. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You guys are north, north. (laughs) I'm, yeah, we're north, north. The great Canadian north. Take me home, please. Okay, so let's see. Um, Another point I have. um, McGonagall is an extra bitch and we love her. Yes. Also, I would have loved to um, see um, Hermione's intelligence with logic come up in the movie. I know. We didn't see that. They removed it. And they also Mm -hmm. removed the troll, which, Mm -hmm. which is another point I make. Like, hey, it now explains why Dumbledore wasn't acting a little bit more concerned because, like, oh my god, there's a troll in Hogwarts? How'd that get there? He's like, oh no, the troll somehow got out. Which, by mm-hmm. the way, I'm calling bullshit. You mean to tell me a troll somehow jumped miles up from Devil's Snare only after getting past the chessboard and fitting through a doorway? <laughs> Unless, like, they were transferring it. And that's what happened. Well, because in the book... It said that it was much larger than the one that they had previously encountered. Oh, maybe they shrunk it? Or it was a different troll. Mm. So we had just, I just told, so I'm going to tell you about the point that I make for uh, the chess pieces and how they were, they were, because I was doing, I like lore and the paces that Ron chose for his friends is very true to him. So Hermione. Now that you're back. So we know that uh, Hermione was the rook. Yep. Because she was the castle. Which, come on, do you call it a rook? Use the right terminology, book. So, um, the rook is the heavy piece. I have thoughts on that. Hmm. Just keep going. Yeah. So the rook is the heavy piece. The protector observes quietly, attacks directly. They are most powerful in the end game. Mm-hmm. And that describes Hermione pretty darn well yeah you're not wrong that that is kind of uh well actually foreshadowing for the entire book series that's because Mm -hmm. the end of the book Mm -hmm. series was where hermione's light shone the best yep Mm -hmm. and then we have harry who was the bishop the overlooked piece Mm -hmm. the strategist they strike when they least expect it often effects often fatal yep Mm mm-hmm also, and then we have Ronikins, who took the knight, the unpredictable piece. Yep. Get- Quick thinkers, they jump over obstacles and offer unconventional solutions. First thing we're seeing, again, he offers to take himself out so the others can continue. Again, foreshadowing. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ferret says, as soon as I got back, Twitch played an ad for Pizza Hut. I, yeah, I saw listen, that. Listen, Twitch, I know I'm a fat ass, but you don't have to rub it in, okay? <laughs> so, my next question is, did all the pieces magically repair themselves and, like, reset for when the kids came through, or did Quirrell just somehow magically walk through? I would assume that once the game is finished, um, the pieces would probably repair themselves and reset. Because it didn't mention anything about rubble at the edge of the Mm-mm. board, which tells me it's not a permanent thing, which actually answers a question that I had earlier in the book, or earlier in the mm-hmm. book, of what happens to these pieces. They have to go out and replace them, or do they repair themselves? This would indicate that they repair themselves. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it might be um, the way that these are set up, it's definitely thought as it's, they've been definitely thought out as if uh, there was going to be multiple attempts. Yep. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm just looking right now because we know that in the book, does anyone remember if, okay, yeah, so at least they stayed true to that, because I was wondering if they made it so that in the movie they had them play the white pieces because they're on the light side, but mm-hmm. no, it looks like they had them play as the black pieces Yeah, in the movie. Uh... Also, the White King was such a sore loser. Right? Yeah. Just, just like tossing your crown down. I like to, so, the White King being a sore loser. That doesn't sound like a whole group of people at all. <laughs> so I'm actually just taking a quick look here. Ah, that explains it. Huh. Uh, Northern Whisper says, did they just have to take pieces or could it have been just one? Did they have to take pieces or could it have been just one? Oh, welcome back. Uh, you are muted. And I have no camera from you. There we go. I did your headset die? Headset is... Yeah, it looks like it, maybe. You didn't charge your headset last night, did you? One moment, we're having technical issues. Yeah, you muted yourself. <laughs> do, 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 Headphones do, died. Do. <laughs> you didn't charge them last night, did you? Oh, is she talking in the, the actual like Discord chat? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Or they'll keep... have to charge or they'll keep turning off. Okay. I forgot to charge them after my D&D game on Sunday. Can you at least hear us? Yeah, she can at least hear us. She's probably going to have to do, like, a push-to-talk thing. I don't know if she's got any background noise on her end. I don't know if she can hear us or not. I'm going to bring Discord over here. Give me one second. Uh, Lady Punnett is typing... I can't talk, though, because you'll get the weird sound back. I can hear. Okay. So we can... You can type uh, or use push to talk if you want, and uh, we can translate. Yeah. Um, hopefully your headset will last long enough on a charge for next chapter, maybe? Um, anyways, I did some searching. Mm-hmm. And um, here's what Google has to say. This is literally just... I, I googled literally 
what is a chess rook called in England? That's that's all I wrote. Mm -hmm. Google says a rook is sometimes called a castle, usually by non-players and those new to the game. <laughs> Which tells me Rowling doesn't know chess. Nope. So. And Je Lady Punnett is leaving the headset plugged in for now during the break, so it should be charged enough by then. Just like the knight, which is referred to as a horse. <sighs> oh my. Uh, so Rowling. there's that. Uh, it's insulting since Ron was the one who called it a castle since he's a professional player. Yeah, that actually pisses me off. As somebody who has at least an introductory knowledge to chess, like I don't play it for sport. Mm -hmm. I did I, I did play like chess clubs when I was a kid, but I don't really know how to play chess per se. I Like I know the pieces and how they move around the board and I, I kind of know how to navigate around the board, but I don't know like any of the more in-depth moves. Like I'm not a professional player but as somebody who has a basic understanding of chess or basic knowledge of chess mm -hmm. so i had growing up a wiz like it it wasn't like the harry potter version of a wizard's chess set it was like uh the pieces were made to look like wizard uh, like a wizard a sorceress um the the king was a wizard the queen was a sorceress the rook looked like an old castle the uh, um bishops were dragons i think and then you had the knights who were riding on unicorns yeah and all of the pieces were made of metal and some of the pieces were jeweled with uh rhinestones yeah. and the board and the case that everything was stored in was made out of this really old wood and the inside was velveted and the, it was my dad's chest set and if i could have brought anything with me from idaho when i separated from my father that would have been one of the things i would have tried to take <laughs> but the fact that ron was this experienced player like he knows how to play chess mm -hmm. this has been established like he kicks mm -hmm. most people's ass at chess mm -hmm. yeah the fact that he called it a castle which is something that a chess piece is called by mostly inexperienced players or new players or people who don't know the game is highly mm -hmm. insulting. You oh, are yeah. absolutely right. Highly insulting. Mm -hmm. Unless um, this was um, that that whole uh, calling of it is because of the American translation. Most... I... I that i don't know um we would have to see if we can get a uh, copy of the U of one of the U original uk versions to see if it is actually said correctly so um, i have here have in my hand an actual copy of the philosopher's stone it's not first edition or anything like that but it is mm -hmm. literally titled the philosopher's stone this okay. was printed one second first published in great britain uh okay. trademark uh copyright and trademark of warner brothers um canadian cataloging and publication data printed in canada by freezens so we have more ties to england than america does right mm -hmm. and even in here let me pop back to the chess set for a sec let me pop back to the chess board for a moment uh 
waiting for it. Do do. There's that. I should actually look up to see if I can find another one of those chest sets. Because, like, unless I somehow get it, and later in life, I'm going to have to get my own. Now, I'm not saying this is going to be, like, a perfect translation um, and whatnot, uh, mm. but we're... Yeah, so here it says... <sniffs> Ron says, well, Harry, you take the place of that bishop, and Hermione, you go next to him instead of that castle. Mm -hmm. So even in here, it's referred to as the castle. Ugh. So, yeah. Sorry, it's... I'm just looking up chess sets now. <laughs> Uh, Feritsune says, like a fantasy chess set. Uh, it's like a Pokemon fanatic called, uh, it's like it, it'd be like a po uh, Pokemon fanatic calling a Charizard a Firetail Dragon. Yeah. Uh, and you're not wrong about that. And Northern Whisper yeah. says, well, it is a dragon with a Firetail. Yeah, but that's beside the point. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it means there wasn't really much, I guess, in the way of research done or much in the way of background information. I, I don't know. Like, mm -hmm. I, I can only go off of the information that we've got, but yeah. Yeah. Anyways. I'm thinking that might be a good spot to call this episode to an end for the podcast. Mm -hmm. Hold on. Get hold our on. first break in for Twitch stream. Oh, wait. Wait. Hold on. Wait. Because I believe Lady Punnett is trying to say something, maybe? Yep. Uh, in, the, uh, in our Discord chat, uh, Lady Punnett says... It's insulting since Ron was the one who called it a castle since he is the proficient player. Which we've already been over. Agreed. No, none of them should have called them castles since Ron would probably taught them the correct terms. Correct. And Agreed. Uh, she is typing again. Gotta love those technical difficulties. Right? Snape being extra with the riddle and showing that wizards still need logic or they'll always be stuck. Yeah, that was <laughs> huge, actually. That, uh, I, I'm not the biggest fan of Snape, but this mm -hmm. shows more depth to Snape's character than one might have assumed just from this book alone. Snape yeah. was always the one who, like, he doesn't rely on magic always. Like, he understands that you have to have brains. Yeah. He understands that you have to be able to think critically, which is huge. Mm -hmm. And that p might come part and parcel with being a potions teacher. Uh, he was the only yeah. one besides McGonagall who needed logic in order to pass the trial. Everything, uh, everything else needed brute force or finesse. Yeah, and that again, mm -hmm. that's huge because it showed that you had to be able to think for yourself. You had to be able to think outside the box, and you had to be able to piece things together. Mm -hmm. Most, as it was mentioned in the book, most wizards will use magic to solve everyday problems, as we see in book two, actually, when I believe it's uh, during the... Or no, not book, not book two. Uh, was it book four? was it book five or no book seven mrs oh molly weasley was in the kitchen of i think it was it might have been the borough or somewhere else but she was cooking and she had to do all these things at once and she's using magic to like assist her in cooking and whatnot and just mm -hmm. mundane chores that you and i wouldn't think twice about she's using magic mm -hmm. for which shows just how ingrained magic is into everyday simple tasks yeah two sides of the same coin absolutely so showing that you McGonagall. with with all of these conveniences that you need logic, that's that that is absolutely mind blowing. Oh yeah. 
So, um, anything else you wanted to add? Nope. Um, okay. Reading Dragon. Sorry. So, so towards the end, so towards the end of this, I, I unfortunately, I perfixated a little on trying to find some, um the chess set that I grew up with. I was like, nope, fuck it, damn it. I want that chess set, damn it. <laughs> well, I think this might be a good place to end this episode um, and mm -hmm. this chat. Uh, we do have, uh, you know, another one to record today, so we should probably uh, take our break and do that. Yeah. Uh, so to everybody who joined us today, I want to thank you very much for joining us. I forget to do our plugs at the beginning of this episode, our social plugs. So I'm going to do them here, and I'll have to remember to do them when we get back. Uh, but give me one second. Uh, where is... I should be able to copy and paste or something into the beginning of this episode. I'm I'm gonna have to spend some. I'm gonna have to use some TLC with this episode. So, copy and pasta. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm gonna have to take. I'm gonna have to take care with this episode because mm -hmm. we've had some issues this morning. So, uh, give me yeah. one quick second. Uh, idiot book nook. And here we go. I'm gonna grab our socials. So, we want to thank you for joining us for episode 16 of The Idiot Book Nook. We appreciate you guys showing up again week after week uh, for this. We hope you have enjoyed spending time with us on Wednesday mornings. We know it's not the most opportune time for a, a kind of a book club, but we figured, you know, everybody's streaming on Saturday and we all had Wednesday morning off for the most part. So, um, I'm going to pop our links into the chat. Uh, so, for The Idiot Book Nook, if you want to follow us on social media, you can find uh, Lady Punnett at tic at, on TikTok at paulina.avalon. You can find myself on Linktree at linktr.ee slash blazewing2010. You can find The Reading Dragon on Linktree at linktr.ee slash thereadingdragon. If you would like to visit our um, podcast RSS feed or our podcast hosting site and or potentially leave us voice messages and voice recordings, which you can do, and we could look at a viewer or listener feedback uh, episode. Uh, you can find us at anchor.fm slash idiot-book-nook, and if you would like to visit our website, idiotbooknook.wordpress.com. Um, we have one more chapter to go, guys, and we're done with this book. One more chapter. One more chapter. One more chapter. Long hair, stop with your shit. <laughs>